Welcome to Blockchain Inside. The podcast is co-produced by Purdue Blockchain Lab and CastBox. Our vision is to connect everyone in the blockchain industry and explore the most up-to-date news. We hope this podcast will be educational, easy to understand, and inspirational for all our listeners. I'm Coach Colbertson, and with me is Dr. Darren Tapp. Dr. Darren, I think you're just hot off the stage from speaking at the Boston Data Conference, right? That's right. Here at uh, the Boston Blockchain Fest, hosted by Ideas. I'm very happy to be with you as a Purdue alum. I'm really glad I'm reconnecting with some, some Purdue folks. Nice. So, Dr. Darren, why don't you tell us just a little bit about what work you're doing right now and catch our audience up as to a little bit about yourself. So, right now, I'm working for Dash, the Dash Core Group, which is a group that deals with basically coding and making the uh, client for a digital cash system. And uh, Dash is promoting what they call digital cash. Part of the research we're doing is understanding how to scale such a network and how to specifically scale Dash, what type of computer resources are needed. What we're finding is actually software speedups are very important and, and being efficient with software is very important, more important than hardware. So that's what I'm doing officially is researching how to scaling blockchains. And I've, I've known about Bitcoin since 2011. And I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about it. And I have a, a mathematics background. I like to think about how I can bring math into what we know and uh, what we may know in the future about blockchain. To our big question, what is a blockchain? That's a question that actually I presented in my talk. I addressed that question. And I don't really think that uh, everybody means the same thing when they say the word blockchain. I'm, I'm really grateful to ideas for providing me a venue to kind of express that there could be some divergence on what this means. And I know we need to be very precise with our definition. So one thing I presented in the talk today was actually four definitions of blockchain. I had one definition that I called the definition of blockchain in practice. It's a buzzword that's used to help people that don't under understand things very well throw their money at uh, ill-defined projects. So that was my first definition. <laughs> I led with the most critical. And then the second definition was my first impression when I heard the word as somebody who understood what Bitcoin was, is that I thought a blockchain was a data which is batched into blocks secured under a proof of work, but into a chain. You basically put the hash of the previous block in the next block, and that gives you a, a chain or kind of a one directional path, and it's secured by a proof of work. So that was my first thought of what blockchain was when I heard it used in this way. When people say blockchain is going to change the world, that's the definition I thought of. That's I've called that the naive definition. And if you just go with the naive definition of a blockchain, it sounds, you know, this statement, blockchain will change the world, sounds really impotent. It doesn't have much power. However, I, I have some other definitions of, I have two more <laughs> definitions of blockchain. Okay. The one was data that's uh, batched into blocks that's uh, secured under proof of work into a chain in which the information in the blocks it, are instructions on how to update an agreed upon global state. That's actually my favorite definition of a blockchain because that kind of isolates what Satoshi did in his paper. Uh, what Satoshi did was he solved the Byzantine General's problem, which allowed computers to agree upon data and know they agreed upon data. And, and that's what this definition it kind of emphasizes. So I also like this definition because it's independent of the application. Uh, Bitcoin is a 
a blockchain that applies uh, a currency application, but uh, there, I don't think we should limit our thinking to this being the only application. This is kind of like a minimal scaffolding that allows you to be the most creative in what your solutions or what your project might be. I also have a fourth definition of a blockchain. My thinking of blockchain was strongly influenced as we're developing a course for Arizona State University right now. Dash is partners with Arizona State University and they're doing research for Dash and then they asked me to help them make a blockchain course along with other faculty. And so with our blockchain course, I had a lot of time thinking about the definition. It's the one definition that I put out today was a blockchain is a data that's batched into blocks that's secured under a proof of work and all the tools that make Bitcoin work, right? So this is okay. a pop-out definition. Uh, it is a little less precise because, I mean, I could have filled the whole slide full of information and probably come up with a precise definition that's what's intended by what I just said, but uh, for the talk, it's not a good idea to do that. <laughs> but this is basically the definition we're using uh, to develop a blockchain course. We're, we're trying to explain all the important and relevant and deep and uh, powerful ideas that are used to make Bitcoin work. And uh, there are a lot of them. And it's not just the concept of Bitcoin. That's kind of was an overarching theme in my talk. It's not just the concept of blockchain that's really, that's not necessarily the most important thing. I'm, there's other things as well, like there's uh, Merkle trees that are used to kind of compress the block and, and secure it under the proof of work, work in consistent way. There's uh, bloom filters that are used for security or privacy of SPV wallets, and they're also used in X-thin propagation or extreme-thin block propagation. There are inverse bloom lookup tables, which I think were promising for an even better propagation called graphene, what I expect to be a better propagation graphene. And all of these tools are kind of magical. They all come together to basically play a symphony. The one version is, is Bitcoin, another is uh, Dash. So that's that's one thing I was focused on. There's a lot of things that come together. I also, I mean, another thing we wanted to include in the course is uh, scripting because Bitcoin uses a scripting language and most likely we won't have time to include the solidity that Ethereum uses and all that. But, uh, you know, it's just kind of to get people started with a deep and uh, thorough understanding. And one thing I talked about in my talk and I focused on the concept of a stable Nash equilibrium. One reason I wanted to talk about that topic is it's technically within the realm of mathematics. It is within the subject of game theory. And uh, what a stable Nash equilibrium is, it's in game theory, we have a bunch of actors or players in a game, a situation where if any player alters their strategy any way, that one player would, in, would play the game more poorly with a less optimal strategy. That's what is considered a stable Nash equilibrium. So uh, basically, if all the players in the game had perfect information and were rational actors, you would expect them to play this way. That's what a stable Nash equilibrium is. And one thing I wanted to get across is that Satoshi in his paper didn't just make a blockchain. He made a blockchain in a way that uh, people that are trying to play the game get the most money they can will actually support the rules of the network. If anybody who tries to change the rules of the network without an appropriate process, without getting everybody else on board, will actually make less money. So that sets up a stable Nash equilibrium. One thing, when I was doing the talk, 
or when I was preparing my slides, I actually think it has a property that's a little bit even strong, stronger than just a stable Nash equilibrium. One thing I didn't get to talk on the talk, if you see two people that are playing checkers, they're deciding who wins by whoever has the most pieces at the end of the game or who has no pieces, the loser. But if somebody comes in and sees this checkers game played, but they evaluate the game differently and they want to win by getting the most number of pieces on the floor, then that person that use this the, basically the same situation a different way might flip the whole board over and knock the the uh the checker pieces that are taken on the floor and then they would consider themselves winning because they're they're judging how they did by a different metric than the people that are playing checkers hmm. bitcoin set up in a way that when this person wants to flip over the table put all the chips on the floor that's actually impossible this is, there's an asterisk. It's impossible to do that. Now, the asterisk is that if you don't have 51% of the hash power of the network, you generally can't flip over this uh, board. And um, that's kind of how stable Bitcoin is. And I think this is a really relevant situation because if you talk about monetary policy, there's a lot of uh, influence and power there. And if, if Bitcoin didn't have this property, it was difficult to flip it over or attack it or destroy it. What you would see is that competing projects, they would try to completely undermine the other one. But since that's generally impossible, you don't see that happening. And so I wanted to present here at ideas to try to get it get it across to people that there's more that's going on than just a blockchain and all these things and i would actually like to see the way humans behave and interact with each other to uh, maybe consider under uh, slightly different rules or something maybe some alternate pro property rights or something just to see what type of equilibriums we can get those systems to have and i think that i mean completely independent of what computers do I think that if this is thought through and some good, some good ideas are coming up about these really, really stable equilibriums, I think we might uh, see some applications in a very broad scope. Dr. Darren, we're needed to, to bring our podcast in for a landing here. So could you share with us uh, some ways that folks could connect with you and then also any resources that you might have for our blockchain enthusiasts. You can email Darren at dash.org. If users are interested in some blockchain resources, I maybe suggest waiting until September when we're developing our course for ASU. That should be released on Coursera. And uh, so that course will be available for free through Coursera, or you could pay a small fee to Coursera and get a certificate and, uh, in January, we expect that if you're earning a master's at ASU, you'll be able to take a version of the course uh, for actual credits at ASU. Well, I'm writing that down right now, actually. So that sounds amazing. Dr. Darren, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All right. Thank you. Thanks for following up with us today. Blockchain Inside, the podcast is co-produced by Purdue Blockchain Lab and CastBox. Please subscribe to our show on castbox.fm slash blockchain lab and leave a comment there if you have any questions. This is Coach Culbertson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.